Welcome back to Put Some Ghee on It. This is Subi Syed. Today we are going to be discussing romantic relationships and the culture. I'm so thrilled to be able to share the mic today with my husband, Osama Syed. Bow, 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 bow. Holla at your boy at Suited Gentleman. Uh, so yes, as you know, I am the husband of the esteemed uh, host here, Subi. Uh, 28 years old, um, have a career in HR, but aspiring to be an actor. And I'm excited to be a part of this journey with her. And I think one of the topics that we're going to, or at least the reason why I'm here is to talk about relationships. Is that correct? Yeah, I feel like we have so much to discuss, so much to dive into. And listen, we're going to put some ghee on it today, okay? We can't just tiptoe around the relationship issues that I think our culture has. Uh, I no very, doubt. I very much uh, grew up being quite liberal. I couldn't share every boyfriend I ever had or anything like that, but certainly as an adult, it wasn't something that I feared to bring home to my parents. And uh, my parents just wanted us to be happy at the end of the day, even if that wasn't 100% down the same alleyway that they went. Uh, they were very much... Yeah, into us having very healthy relationships and wanted us to be happy more than anything else. Well, that was definitely not my experience. <laughs> right. So before meeting me, how did your relationships operate? I mean, were they public? Uh, did people know about it? Were you open with your friends? Did you guys go on actual dates? Yeah, I guess we can get right into it. So I guess I grew up um, not really grasping the concept of what a true relationship would be like. But of course, you know, I was deeply infatuated with, you know, starting from Alexa in kindergarten, then uh, that was like four years old or whatever. Um, it was a one-sided love story. because <laughs> Clearly there was no reciprocation, I think. Uh, uh, but uh, kid love. In fact, I think um, I didn't really have my first real relationship until I was close to 19 or 20. I mean... High school relationships and certainly anything prior to that, I don't think matter. Yeah, most definitely. I think, well, they I could have used the training. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> one of the things I will say is going growing up, uh, I grew up on Bollywood movies, as most people did. Uh, Shah Rukh Khan was basically the, the man who influenced my childhood youth and painted the picture of what relationships should look like or perhaps could look like and of course it's you know boy meets girl and then you, you get married uh, that's like always been the end goal so I think one of the the things that I experienced at least is growing up I did not actually have um, a place or it was not acceptable for me to date right so that was that was part of the issue you know of course um interested in girls from a very young age as any growing boy um, who's interested in girls would be and um, yeah didn't really have the opportunity I think part of it was just culturally it's not acceptable religiously it was also a thing right if you were seeing with a girl so to answer your question around um, did you tell your friends about it I think my friends and I would collectively talk about it I remember when my, when my friends first got into a relationship we're like wow he got in a relationship it was a thing but we never – like collectively the group just didn't um, get into relationships. I think growing up that wasn't the norm. 
So when you were, well, you said like you're one of your first relationships was probably 19, 20 years old. At 19, 20 years old, what did your relationship look like? Like my relationships looked like, you know, I don't know at 19 or 20 if everybody had like their own place, but I would say my, one of my significant first relationships probably happened when I was like, yeah, 20, 21, somewhere around there. And, you know, I think at the time I was still living at my parents' house because I didn't get my first actual place until I was 22. But it was a normal relationship in the sense like the guy had his own place. So, you know, I I could meet up with him where, and, and go out to dinner, to dates, to movies. He had his own place. So we had a private place to be. Like right. how does it operate when I'm sure – no one has their own place because most people, I mean, don't move out until they get married. Right. And also you're not allowed to date. So everybody's keeping everything a secret. I mean, Yeah. The secrecy is a little crazy because you can't be seen. And I mean, I grew up in Chicago. So, I mean, being seen, the likelihood of being seen by somebody in a society that's meant to be kept secret is highly probable. I mean, the, the the likelihood of being seen by somebody out in public, that was highly probable. I mean, in my first re- real relationship, I think it, there was a lot of dates, without a doubt. Um, but in the, in the sense where there was, like, an area of privacy, no. It was like the world was your oyster, essentially, and you just kind of have to, you know, figure things out. I mean... And the, like, so that means the world was not your oyster. You it, would like literally have to hide. You oh, couldn't. right. In the inverse, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, there was no place to hide. I mean, there was no place to not be seen. So that was a challenge. And I think when you get into a relationship, it's also kind of understood that um, you don't speak about it. So you never get to like gain perspective from your friends and bounce ideas, relationship advice, anything off of each other because you guys just never – you guys never really talk about things. No, I mean uh, the the girl that I was dating at the time who I had a really serious relationship, she was actually going to school with one of my best friend's sisters. And to maintain the secrecy, I'd never even told my best friend until I was like three or four months into the relationship. But why? So what would happen? Like I know the characters at play here and I it – it's strange to me because I don't think that this particular friend, I mean, what was he going to do? Nothing. It actually was just to maintain, I guess it goes back down to like the, the uh, safeguarding the image of a woman or of a girl, right? She can't be seen or it was more so, and I guess it goes twofold in terms of safeguarding the image of this pretentious image, in fact, of what a man and a woman or a boy and a girl could perhaps or possibly be in terms of if you are with somebody then prior to marriage, then apparently your your image is tarnished. So that is kind of the place, at least in my mind, that I thought was the place. Therefore, I abided by those rules and I just never told anyone. And the only times where I would start to speak about it is when I was like going through it, going through the motions of a regular relationship whereby you need the counsel of your friends sometimes. You just need somebody to bounce things off of, as you said, and I didn't really have that opportunity. I know that when we were dating and I was living in Minneapolis, you were living in Chicago, and I would travel down to Chicago all the time. I mean, I think I was there at least half the week most of the time. Definitely. And for me, I mean... I, you know, I had been to Chicago a bunch of times growing up, but I now got to experience it in a way where I was essentially living there half the time, albeit in hotels downtown Chicago, but it was great. 
And so I remember I always wanted to just be out and roaming the streets, going to restaurants, doing whatever one does in Chicago. And I remember so many times where you would clam up and get really uncomfortable because there was somebody in the room. And God God knows how many people from your condon are just spread out everywhere or just random people that you literally have to hide from and kind of fear. Definitely. So. I mean, I remember when we were at Ghirardelli and there was a group of girls that saw me and I was like, shit, now it's going to spread like wildfire that I have a girlfriend. Um and it did, in fact. So that oh, was, it did definitely. What did. happened? I remember what happened. So let's just set up the scene. It was basically we went to Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory in and like December in Chicago. Yep, a random night. I don't know if it was weekday or weeknight, but we literally just sat down to have ice cream. And I remember you looking up, super concerned, because behind me there was a table of people yep. and you were like oh i know those people and so i naturally turned and and looked at them and i was like oh do you want to go say hi definitely not and and that was so strange to me i didn't understand why you knew an entire table of people i mean we're talking six seven eight people right who looked very much young and cool and hip and i didn't understand why you wouldn't want to go say hi to them so i didn't have an insecurity about it because I knew it had nothing to do with me but I had just never truly experienced because this I mean you're the first Indian person I've dated spoken to anything so I've never had to be at that place in the culture where you had to literally hide yeah I mean the secrecy was part of it too right so you know back to your question around you know how did you manage like how do you manage your relationship I think there's a lot of people that are actually listening now that are in that situation where they're dating and they're interested, but they can't speak about it. They can't be about it. And like my whole thing is that it's so weird in the sense that everybody knows, but nobody wants to speak about it. And that's kind of the construct of the culture. Like all the major hot Mm -hmm. buttons are in issues, like whether it's you have a girlfriend, whether you're dating, whether you're having sex, like they're all happening, but then nobody wants to talk about it. And so that's kind of... The, that sets the foundation of how you approach relationships whereby you want to have all these experiences in terms of you want to date, you want to travel, you want to do all these things, but you don't want to tell anyone about it. That's it, so sad because I feel like – and I know that social media and all of that kind of stuff, it takes it to another level. But just even before social media and all of those things, I always remember thinking what good is anything if you can't share it, right. right? What good is your promotion at your job if you can't run home and tell somebody about it? What good is, you know, your romantic relationship if you can't turn to your best girlfriend or guy friend or whomever and say, oh my goodness, I met this guy and everything's great or I met this guy and everything sucks. Yeah. Like, how do you, how, Well, you you don't. I mean, you're in it by yourself, right? So you have to take your own advice for for a large part of it. And then, you know, I remember in my first relationship, I didn't tell anybody. And, you know, of course, you're in this honeymoon period where nothing can go wrong. Um, And, you know, that's kind of the evolution of at least what what happened with me, whereby I was in a relationship. And, of course, I'm on this foundation of secrecy, right? But then I'm also on this foundation that was raised to believe that, the girl who's in your life for the first time, right? That's the person that you marry. Oh, no. 
And that was... <laughs> I'm so against childhood sweethearts. That was uh, catastrophic, for sure. So your first, just, I don't want to say first encounter with a girl or woman, but your first situation where you felt feelings. Yeah. You basically went in. Aside, in. aside from your Bollywood love story aspirations. Yeah. You truly went in thinking, like, this is it. Like, I'm 19, 20, 21 years old. Yep. And this is it. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, my back, like, I've, I feel like I've accelerated my my life in terms of the way that I live it. I've always kind of been uh, described as somebody who's lived beyond, like, lived um, above their y- years in the sense that, you know, I would be thinking about things that I probably shouldn't be thinking about. I would never take a moment to, like, live in the moment. Like, right. when I'm 16, dude, just be 16. Right. Because right? I feel like at 16, you were, like, man of the house. Yeah, I just, you know, I just <laughs> felt that. And I think most of that was put on my own. Like, I put that on my own self. But I was so focused and dedicated to, like, okay, by this time I need to do this. By this time I need to do this. And part of that was actually about, you know, when I met this girl that I was, like, just head over heels. Like, you didn't tell me nothing. And I did not know – like that, that was probably a turning point for me as it relates to understanding what real adversity could feel like and look like because before that, the disappointments in my life weren't as extreme or drastic. And I also had this belief, shockingly, that I was it. I mean you couldn't tell me nothing. I was the best thing since sliced bread. I was everything you needed to have on paper, which is, (laughs) you know. And that's the thing, too, is there's – and it's not just the Desi culture that puts so much emphasis on this. But very much so in our culture, what you are on paper is everything. Yes. Like it doesn't matter how much of a dud you are when you open your mouth. Right. But what you are on paper is everything absolutely the end all be all yep without a doubt that's the that's the thing right i was chasing this like image of um it wasn't for others as much as it was for myself i in my head wanted to achieve certain things i in my head wanted to do certain things and at that particular moment in time i had not reached that where i wanted to be in life but i was very sure about myself in terms of what i wanted to achieve in life and i thought that was enough well, it wasn't, clearly. Um, and also just thinking about at that point in my life, I'm in this relationship. I'm with a girl who I believe I love. And then just hit the fan. What is the shit that hit the fan? What does that mean? I think so. There was a couple of things. A, I was absolutely not ready to be in that situation. Right. I didn't really know what that situation meant. Um, and the situation, just to be clear, that you're talking about is like the progression to getting married yeah yeah so i mean like it was zero to 60 i mean our relationship was zero to 60 but our relationship was yes our relationship was zero to 60 but also i was 30 years old correct and you were 24 at the time and for you 24 is like 57 yeah basically old soul that's it old man is what my wife just called me on air it's fine i am i'm the adult (laughs) in the goddamn relationship for the record 
Um, but yeah, for me, I think now if I look back at it, I think that, you know, I had a lot of growing up to do in terms of emotional growing up to do and what that meant. And I think there's a lot of people who can benefit from, from hearing this is that if you are particularly a dude, cause I can't speak from a girl's perspective. I can only speak from a Daisy man's perspective, Daisy boy or man or man boy's perspective growing man up child. In, man child in Chicago, right? Here you are, you've accelerated through life in terms of being a grown up, right? You go from your teen years to your um, early 20s and now you're at a point in your life where the first thing or the most relevant thing in your life is getting married. Forget if you have a girlfriend or not, but it's just getting married, right? And that is kind of, you know, you go to weddings and like, oh, when are you getting married? It's like a thing to ask. Like, who right. the hell? If you're 20 some years old, okay, or if you're 19 or 18, don't ask the kid. Like, it, they are not ready to get married. And if they right. are... They should really think about. I mean, I got married at twenty four, um, and by some 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 other people's measures, that's early. But again, as you mentioned, I was fifty seven at twenty four. Right, right, right. So, and that's absolutely the truth. But for you, because you are such an old soul, and because you had so much ambition and so much passion about your job and your career and all that, and you were well on your way to being. The great success that you are today. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> but uh, you were very much ahead of your game, especially career-wise. So, But actually, it wasn't. I wasn't at the time. I mean, there was a point in my life where that, like, I was, but so I wasn't. So you were a ruse? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I mean, I was, but I wasn't. I mean, I was sure at one point I was ahead of the curve. But then there's a point where I hit a little bit of a brick wall and I had to reassess what I was doing. Like, I had to go back to school. Like, I, I got my bachelor's degree very quickly. And then I had to get back into school because I realized that my bachelor's degree wasn't worth a whole lot. And also, we're in a culture in Chicago, and a lot of people are probably in the same situation that... And this is back to going back to what you look like on paper. Correct. It's like, your what's your what's your bio data look like, right? Mm-hmm. What's, your, what's your resume that you present to a girl's family look like? You going back to school to pursue your master's degree, how much of that did... Did it have to do with career versus that bio data and how you wanted to be presentable? It actually, so for me, I can say holistically it had nothing to do with how I was perceived because going to school, I went to DeVry University, shout out to alumni, um, DeVry U. Uh, I actually went to the Addison campus, holla at your boy. Um, but I went to night school, right? And I went there because my father went there and my brother went there. And, you know, I was very, like, very focused on going to school. Um, that was and, for your bachelor's. That correct? was for my bachelor's. Okay. And I want to get done with school so quickly. But it was never a thing for me, like, oh, go get this degree from a uh, pedigreed school or anything like that. Then, I, But when I was in the marketplace, I originally wanted to pursue a, a career in finance, and that just, you know, didn't work out. But then I realized very quickly, like, I have to bolster my bachelor's degree to get farther in life, at least in my from my perspective. So that's why I went back to school. It actually had nothing to do with the relationship relationship aspect of it um, or how it's perceived. But anyway, I meant this, like, if you are at a point in your life whereby you're questioning your self-worth because you're not being accepted by somebody who you desperately want acceptance from, you may not be knocking on the right door. Oh, 100%. It's so crazy how people can focus on, you know, their bio data or their resume or how you look on paper and how you present yourself 
to a, a woman's family or vice versa. Right. And it's like you're so busy building that up, but then where does your EQ go? Like, where is your... Or your personality. Yeah, yeah. Your emotional intelligence or your personality. Like, you're just told to almost just be a robot and get all these lines on your resume and biodata, and that is it. And then what happens when you jump into an actual relationship? However... However broad that might be for you, you know, like whether you have to keep it super under wraps right. and it's just a very private thing. But what happens when you have a breakup, you know, your first major relationship, your first major love yep. ended up in heartbreak. Tell me more about it. What led to the breakup? Why was it a quote unquote normal breakup? I mean, was it just no. because, oh, we didn't get along, we didn't see eye to eye, we were fighting? Or was it since everything was so marriage-focused, yeah. was it broken because either you or she wasn't marriage material for the other person? Um, I think it had a lot to do with a lot of different um, variables. I think uh, if I were to, like, retrospectively, I think about it, I think I pushed too hard. I think I, it was really one-sided in a lot of ways in terms of these were my ideals and these were, you know, we could talk about, you know, what I was looking for um, later. But I think one of the things is I pushed it and I accelerated it, like, very quickly. What were you pushing? Were you Like, just marriage, just, like, getting, like, final, like, pushing towards the finality of this chapter to get to the next chapter that's so crazy because i know that in my relationships even prior to you i if somebody wanted to get married i was like but why yeah i mean now i think about it, like why i mean if you're listening out there why are you even considering it <laughs> <laughs> it's great don't do it <laughs> there's a time and a place for it and i just don't think 1920 whether you're a man especially if you're a man and just well i think it's speaking, a, yeah so i think it's all relative right i think it's where people are in terms of their evolution as the person they're meant to become and i do believe to your point that you become more of who you're supposed to become as you get that growth factor. Like I was some, and this is this goes for a lot of people. But if you are a male, if you're a desi male living at home, and you come from a conservative household, and you've never left the house, that means you're raised with a few constructs. Number one, you've got to find a girl who's light skinned, because the darker she is, the more people are going to talk. <laughs> so that's colorism. Uh, you don't have to explain colorism to me, sir. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> that was probably the first side I egg. I think from your parents, truly, more than ageism, I got a side eye about the color of my skin. And the reason I say that is because you can voice me being older than you. You can verbalize sure. The fact that you have an issue with our age, because again, we have a six and a half year age difference and you can verbalize that you can voice that, but you can't sit out there and publicly say, oh, she's too dark. Yeah. She's I mean, too dark for our liking. Yeah. I mean, well, that's so that's one of the things, right? Like you're taught you're, right now. I can tell you like I can name 10 dudes who are single, who come from conservative Daisy households, who won't even look at a girl if she's even one of the Fendi shades. Fenty, Fenty, Fenty shades, whatever. Fenty Rihanna, shades. shout out to Rihanna, Fenty beauty. She's doing more for the culture. 
than most. <laughs> but what I will say is that you know you're you're taught to. I mean, if you go to India right now, they don't even sell the shade of the general of the average color skin that's in India. They just don't in stores. You could go to in a metropolis in. Uh, Mumbai or Bombay, whatever you prefer to call it, you go to a store, they don't sell the shade. Like when you went to into that store. Oh my store. gosh. Okay. Yeah. Quick story. But first of all, it's Bombay. It will always be Bombay. It's not Mumbai. All right. Second of I all. Guess. <laughs> yes. A couple of years ago, you and I went to Bombay and of course, uh, Jet Airways lost my luggage and never flying them again. Uh, they, and so I, I literally had nothing. I didn't have my makeup. So we end up at a mall. I actually went into a Sephora, which first of all, I was very surprised they even had, but I went into a Sephora. Uh, they did not have my shade. Like the right, darkest is- shade that they had was literally two or three shades lighter than me. And just to give you context, I'm not even a true tan. I'm like sure. a warm beige. They didn't have it. So that's, you know, that's that speaks to like the culture, right? So like if you are back to the point around being a conservative young man who has only lived with his parents, you are taught to find a spouse who is fair skinned who cooks because if you don't cook it's a deal breaker apparently again it's 2019 i don't know how many women are cooking um, frankly i think i don't know how many people in general are cooking but so yeah, it must we're cook. not we're a non-cooking household yeah we're a non-cooking household um send help uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um but you know fair-skinned has to cook has to get along and should fully integrate within a household uh, for the male's household and then on top of that you're also expected to Keep your distance from your in-laws so they don't, you know, they don't take take you too lightly. Um, or, t- or, or Wait, explain that. I don't understand. Yeah, that. I mean, like you're not you, – you're essentially taught to kind of keep a distance so that you, you're some sort of enigma. Right, like you're like this porcelain doll. Correct, right, right. And so that's that's the construct. And I think a lot of people right now still go through that where – and for me, you know, for those that know me – my preferences in terms of what I find beautiful, it's, it runs the gamut. I mean, I, it's just I don't have – you couldn't say to me that I have a type. I just don't based on the people I've ever been interested in. Based on the he people. got a type. I know what his type is. She don't know nothing. He loves a Latina. <sighs> Damn. <laughs> okay, Latina continue, women continue, out there. Holla at your boy. Continue. I'm married though. Please don't ruin my marriage. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um, but anyway, right? So there's there's a lot of things in in that that kind of shape you, and therefore this is what you're looking for. So when you think when I think about the characteristics that I was looking for, that's essentially, and also being like uh, Muslim, um, because you know, like God forbid, if you're not Muslim, right? I guess that's kind of how the the, the perspective is, and I get it. I understand from the perspective of if you are looking for all these boxes, but oh, by the way, it's never like oh, find somebody who supports you, find and somebody who's down for you, find somebody who's actually a good person. Which just makes you happy. Well, forget about happiness. I mean, that's like <laughs> if that happens, good for you. But you know, like it's so funny in the culture, they'll say like oh, but I'm not in love with this person. Like oh, that happens later. Like, you don't know what love is. No, I think people know, like, even when I was, you know, 20, whatever, right? And I was in a relationship, I felt love. Like, that was love, um, for me at least, in terms of how I felt. I had deep feelings for a person. Um, and so at that moment, I was in love with somebody. So so that was you at 19, 20 years old, and you, you, you could feel the love, right? But you, you kind of knew where it was, and you maybe. You felt it in your heart, but like as an adult, what were your must-haves and what were your deal breakers? I know that 
you had this idea put into your brain that a girl with light skin, a girl who cooked, a girl who took somehow managed to walk this tightrope of, you know, embracing your family yet somehow being elusive to your family. So weird. Um, those were the things that you were told you needed to have in the you needed to have in your wife or finds in your wife. Right. But what were your deal breakers or must haves in in your wife? I mean, did you were you able to construct those or were they just everything? I wasn't actually able to construct. I didn't actually have an opinion on it, which is part of the thing, right? I think if you don't have an opinion, you're more at risk. Like you have to have pick a side, right? It's like stand for something or you'll fall for anything. That can't be more true in the situation of finding a spouse. If, for example, you have significant pressure from your parents and you're, again, a, coming from a conservative household, then you will likely end up with somebody who checks all the boxes. But then you have to make that work. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you end up with. Just as a public service announcement, relationships in general take a lot of work. You have to show up, you have to be present, and you have to get through the adversity to get on the other side. And it helps if you have love and compassion and, uh, and genuine joy with this particular person. Agreed. However, I think it also really helps when you have experience, you know, without a doubt, I know how, you know, sometimes women, men do this too, but women are always said to have some sort of baggage when they go from one relationship to the next. But whether that baggage is dramatic or not, it helps you navigate through certain situations. It helps you navigate through just deciphering what you like, what you don't like, what you want, what you don't want, what you will deal with. I know I had been in relationships where there were certain issues or certain red flags raised. And if I went into the next relationship and I saw any semblance of that red flag, I would be like, oh, we're out. Yeah, the evolution. So how do you evolve? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. So evolution is super important, I think. And again, I can only speak from a male's perspective, but... You know, males in general, just from my experience, they all think they're hot shit. Every single one, every single male I have in my circle, maybe it's just the social circle that I hang around, but everybody's got this massive ego and they think that they're just the best thing to happen since sliced bread. And until your ego gets torn down and crushed by somebody who you have self-elected to be your own personal barometer of how successful you are – you don't get the experience and you don't evolve. And so some people can live their entire life and not get checked. I think we know a few people like that. Oh, yeah. And then there, which is, I don't know if that serves them any just, like it doesn't do anyone justice. In fact, it doesn't do society justice when you have people running amok, right? But then furthermore, when you think about development of a person, right, how do you get more well-rounded? How do you understand how best to behave and act and be a better spouse, I think it's two things, right? One, we're touching on experience and evolution and how you go from one relationship to the next and you, you know, you pick up all the good things and hopefully drop off the bad things and you, you evolve, you evolve in your experiences. But also, and I can say from what I've noticed in our households, your parents versus my parents, I was raised in a household where my parents are hilarious. Okay. First of all, my parents are my parents have been married, it'll be 41 years 
in the next couple of weeks, 41 years. And sure, they've had their ups and downs and sometimes the house starts rumbling and all of those things. Right. But for the most part, my parents are so in love with each other. They love each other. They're each other's best friend. They want to be around each other all the time. They genuinely miss each other. They're cute with each other, all of those things. But please believe my mom will check my dad so quick. But it's actually about that. So let's t- touch on that really quick. And I think we can make a whole episode on, <laughs> on just checking that. your husband. No, not on checking your husband. Been ladies, if you're married and you're listening, <laughs> men don't like to be checked. I mean, nudge them slightly, gently. But my point, my point is, is I noticed in your household that your mom is extremely submissive to your dad in so many ways, and and I'm not harping on your father in this moment, in in this particular moment. I'm not harping on him, but I'm just saying. His ways were never made to change, good or bad, because no one ever. But I said, you know, but that's your the thing. mom didn't have the platform or the backbone or the allowance to open her mouth and say anything to her husband. Yeah, I think that's like so. That's you know, we think about like deeply rooted cultural values and where you get them from, right? You're supposed to, and it goes back to again. I think that's what we're raised with in terms of, like, first of all, like public affection is not a thing. Right, I noticed that about your family. Oh my gosh, we are like Super overly affectionate. affectionate. Yeah, which is fine. I think it's great, <laughs> and I think it fosters an environment where people are more comfortable with each other, more, and in, in the sense that they're more loving. But you know, just in the same breath that they'll send you love, they'll curse you out, right? And but that's uh, but part of love. Of course, yes, that's, and that's part that's of it. love. That's it. There's this great um, balance, right? And I think that in general, the culture doesn't allow for that. And it, that is then rooted in a young man or woman who's going up in that culture to have these feelings around, okay, I have to be reserved. I have to be in secret. I can't show anything. And then if I show something, then if I show my relationships or whatever, then that could perhaps bring shame on the family. Oof. Wow. Well, I'm glad that I didn't come from that type of a household because, I mean, my parents would have been buried in shame if, <laughs> if they found it shameful because I was – maybe I was really arrogant. And, and I say that because it wasn't like I could be 19 years old and walk in and be like, Dad, this is my boyfriend. Like I right. had the sense to know – how our family, even though my family's incredibly liberal and laid back compared to yours, I still knew, and th- there's something almost good about instilling that within us, right? Because then we know you don't bring somebody home unless they're worth it. Right. You're not going to go through the shit that's going to come with it unless that person is worth it. But yep. for me, it was a little bit more laid back, but I certainly wasn't going to bring somebody home at 19 because I didn't want to bring them home. What why would I want to bring you home at 19 years old? Like, I'm just here to have fun. And as my cousin in India says, you know, keep having fun with the wrong ones until you meet the right Lord one. Have and mercy. that is like the truest thing. She gave me such a nugget of knowledge where she was like, girl, live your life. And thankfully, that's kind of the, the, the situation that was fostered in my household. It was, you know, be smart, be independent, live your life, thrive. And then get married and continue yeah, to thrive with a partner as opposed to what I believe in your household. It was, you know, very much your life doesn't really be- 
skin until you're married. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that. And I think, you know, there's still a lot of that right now in, in life in general, in that culture, in the culture that at least I was raised in. And I know a lot of people are in right now that you don't get to a point of evolution until you get married and then you're expected to do a lot of things. But I mean, and that's part of the conversation, right? I think we definitely need to have more conversation about that because I don't necessarily know if it serves the coming generations any justice um, for them to continue down this path where they are not evolving. And and I'm not suggesting that, you know, you run amok and you buck wild. I'm actually just talking about having an evolutionary experience on how you can better yourself as a contributing member of society by having relationships that evolve you as a person. But how do they do that when it has to be so secretive and nobody's leaving their house? I mean, well, I, I I recommend everybody leave their household and, yeah. you know. Well, so I think that's the thing, right? I think that – so the secretive the, – the secrecy within the society, it kills me because everybody either has a boyfriend or girlfriend. Everybody's having sex. If they're not having sex, they're thinking about sex. If they're not having – if they're not thinking about sex and they're doing things that are very close to sex um, – uh, they are going out. They are dating. They may even go out to the extent of uh, going on vacations or on trips or what have you. Like everybody is doing it. And then every time somebody gets called out or every th- anytime something blows up or, or a relationship goes south in this culture, you're almost demonized. Well, look what happened. You did all these things. And oh, in fact, this is the line. Like, oh, you, you did too much before marriage and now there's nothing left to be done. <laughs> Like, wow, no. And so that's so crazy because I was so far removed from the Desi community, especially when it came to dating and relationships, because I only dated white guys and I, for the most part, only had white or East Asian or other culture friends that didn't have the same hurdles we did. Right. So these hurdles were not very present in my young adult life in my 20s when I was dating and having a good time. And I think that it gave me, you know, one, I was dating and having a good time, but it also allowed me to build on what I liked in a man, what I didn't like in a man, what was acceptable, what was the bar. You know, everybody has that man that they dated that set the bar, whether it be a low bar or a high bar. And I very much remember the man that set that bar for me. And it was great because he treated me so well. And Thanks, whoever you are out there. I appreciate <laughs> he did. He you. treated me so well. He was, and these are the things that matter to me, whether they matter to you or not is different. But for me, it was very important for the man to be successful and ambitious and have a defined path and not be wishy-washy. And I don't want to come up into a situation, especially a situation when you are you're at an age where you're okay with the idea of marriage. Right. You certainly don't want to walk into a situation where the guy doesn't know what he's doing in his life. Similar to women, right? You don't want to walk into a situation where the, you know, she doesn't know what she wants to do. She's here and there and all of those things. We all, yep. we all like that ambition and we all like that path. So for me, I had a bar that was awesome. It was really high bar. And I was so happy when that high bar was set for me because Everybody afterwards, they either met or surpassed that bar or they were out of my life in a romantic way. Yeah. Because why, when you already see something, literally when you see that green grass, why are you going to go settle for anything else? But I feel like 
in the culture, if you don't get to have that bar set for you, how do you even know that that's the person you want to like? How do you even know that's the greatest person you've ever met when you've only met one person? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. So I think you're absolutely right. Getting that bar set, right? I think, and for me, my interpretation of that is like whoever sets that bar is going to break your heart. Whoever sets whatever bar you're, at least from a hopeless romantics point of view, get your heart broken, you know, um, fall in love and fall in love often, right? It's like that kind of concept. But it's also around, you know, my bar was set by something I realized I can't have in a relationship. And that is when I was in a relationship, and this is the, like the, my first real relationship, and I'm with somebody head over heels for them. I think they're you know absolutely beautiful, and I think that I want to absolutely marry this person. And then the, when the families got involved, there was a whole lot of questions around what am I doing with my life? Am I going to be successful enough? I, I remember distinctly that one of the questions um, this person's mother had was around – well, does he earn enough to support you? Because I don't want you to struggle. And that was that hit me so hard, like a ton of bricks. Because did it hit you hard just because of the exact place you were in your life, or did it just hit you hard in general? Even if you were a millionaire, would that have hit you hard? No, because I had. That's the thing, right? I feel like it's absolutely one hundred percent correct for a parent to be concerned about the future well-being of their child without a doubt but also it like for me in the perspective of where I was at in my life I didn't know but I really felt I would grow because again at the same time I was like 19 20 years old this is not this is not a final point in my life I was still growing very much so I had not even gotten to an iota of of what I thought I could get to, and even then I I didn't I had no idea. I mean I had this dream in my head to achieve success at the highest levels, and I still have that dream without a doubt. But to have it called into question so early, and to not take note of any sort of potential mm-hmm. of that broke that killed me. That absolutely killed me. Wow. Okay. So you're sitting in front of her mother. She asks you. If you're essentially going to be able to support her child. It wasn't f- that. It wasn't. See, it's never like it's death by a thousand cuts. It's never that direct. Mm-hmm. But there were so many signs. And then in the conversations that I would have with my girlfriend at the time, that would come up so often around, you know, um, and at the time I had a detailing business, um, which I, I took so much. He was much- the number one detailer in Chicago. You bow, 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 bow. Um, and to be clear, it's paint perfection. Paint, uh, Paint correction. Correction. Yeah. Unlike Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Whenever somebody says detailing, they always think it's like you with the vacuum. Well, that's the, the thing, right? So let's just talk about that for a second. <laughs> I think like to minimize. So also the culture, the culture minimizes other professions unless you're a doctor, lawyer, or you work. And now it's not even engineer. It's like if you work in the IT space. Um, so if you're outside of that, generally speaking, people believe that there's no career to be had that could amount to some sort of financial success. So it's really important that everyone understand that there are so many different venues that, or so many different routes that you can pursue to be successful. And if you're in a space right now in life and you're hearing this message, just understand that if I could tell my younger self or if I could tell my unmarried self who is chasing after this dream of marriage, focus on what you're doing and be, have a resolve that you will be okay. Because if you don't believe in yourself right now, 
then when you're called into question, that will crush you. And that's exactly what happened to me. Right. Well, yeah, it would. And I think that is very, this is about you being in front of your ex-girlfriend's parents in a situation that would have then opened the doors for you guys to talk about marriage, correct? Right, correct. And so I remember distinctly, and exactly like what you just said, you said it, it's soul-crushing if somebody else picks these things out in yes. you. And that is something that I think that people, you need to be so confident within yourself yep. when you go in front of somebody else's parents and you have to know and truly believe that you're worth it, you yourself. Because I can tell you that when I met your parents, your dad literally went down a checklist to me. Right. And he interviewed me and he basically said, you know, all these things to me. And first of all, I didn't care. And by that, I mean, I, I literally was sitting in the room being like, I can't believe this man is asking me this chest this checklist of stuff when he like it has nothing to do with my personality i mean the questions were like oh you've traveled the world how are you going to settle down and get married now or oh you've had success in your career how are you going to just sit at home and be a wife now and i was like first of all who is saying that i'm just settling and who is saying that everything i've gone through invalidates me right Right. and said i i thought it was a plus and so i was confident in myself enough to stand before your parents and just be like i'm sorry sir like you've got the wrong one here you're not going to question me in fact i remember leaving the situation and my dad being like if this man ever comes with the checklist again Anyway, my point is, is that my confidence was there and I believe it was one, because I always have had the support of my parents, but two, because I've lived, I've lived and I know that I'm worthy and I know that I'm worth it. And I know that I'm amazing. Yeah. I mean, listen, definitely shout out to uh, Subi Sayed putting some ghee on it right now. (laughs) Um, Preach woman. So the stark contrast between your experience versus mine is that my ex-girlfriend's parents you know uh, the the gaps that they found in me or the the places where i wasn't fulfilling what they were what they wanted in their daughter's spouse those fears those reservations they started to play out as well and it didn't help matters when for example um there were some things that transpired her mother found out about it and then it just it just started to snowball into things where now I was a source of negative energy in her life because there was a disconnect between her, me, and her parents. She's actually a wonderful human being, and um, uh, I got nothing bad to say about her. But no, I think in that moment, what it did, it, it put an undue amount of stress and pressure right. on the relationship. And you know, there's I think there's a lot of people that are going through that situation right now. I think there's a ton of people who have this disconnect. And what I could say is if you are going – if you know you're in a relationship and you know that there's going to be some adversity when you tell your parents about it, the two of you need to be steadfast. Otherwise, that is going to snap real bad. There are so many broken hearts because of that. I think this is like a endless tale of love. And this shit is not Romeo and Juliet, okay? This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people getting into relationships where they don't know whether or not they're willing to fight for it. 
And in the Desi culture, as long as it stays in this conservative, secret manner, there's going to be some fighting that's going to have to happen. And not fighting physically, but fighting for what you think is right. And if you want to be with the person that you think you should be with, you've got to fight for it. Now, in that scenario that I just described with my ex-girlfriend, there was no way on earth that I would have ever left. And I would have settled with all of it. With all of the package. So had she gone back to her parents and was like, mom, dad, no, this is absolutely who I want to marry. Mom, dad, no, he's amazing. He's, you know, you may have XYZ reservations, but let me tell you about ABC. Like he is all of us. And if he, she convinced her parents to allow, allow her to marry you, would you still feel like you had to prove yourself? Because before I have you answer that question, I very much in the first two, we've been married now a little over four years, but for the first good year and a half, two years of our marriage, I constantly felt like I had to prove myself to your family. I cared to prove myself yes. to your family, but it wasn't until about two years in where I was like, All right. I'm amazing Yep, and you're just blind and now I don't care. Yeah, I think, but I, I went into it with that. I always actually, I sought after their validation and I realized I didn't get it. I'm like, okay, so what? Like, it's, it's okay. Like when people like paint this picture of that, okay, you get married and like the two condons come together and everything's going to be rosy and it's going to be all good. Like I didn't operate in that reality, nor did I care to. I operate in this hopeless romantics viewpoint that the person that I'm with we're tight, we're together, and we can conquer the world. And when you think about barometers and you think about, you know, uh, setting the bar, that relationship set the bar for me because I then realized, what do I really need in my life? Okay. Do I need to check these boxes? Rounding it out here, what would you tell that 19, 20-year-old boy who was crushed and heartbroken your 19, 20-year-old self entering a relationship? What would you tell that self? I would say that it's really important that if there's heartbreak that's going to happen, let it happen because it's going to shape you and make you stronger. And also understand that you are the only person who can control how you feel about yourself when you wake up and look in the mirror. See, I think I have to add to that. I think I think it applies to me and my 19, 20, 21-year-old self a little bit. Maybe I was too present because <laughs> I didn't care about the future. And, and I say that in a positive way. Uh, I was footloose and fancy free. I mean, I was having a great time. I had a great job. I had a disposable income. I had... A pl I lived on my own. I had the support of my parents. I had a great older sister who was my best friend and would show me the way, if you will, sure. or, or would always be my ally. Um, so perhaps I should have been a little less present and I should have probably thought more about the future. Right. But I learned a lot of very good lessons. Yep. So I think if I may be so bold into projecting onto you and your 19, 20 year old self, I would have said, be more present because you enter these relationships thinking about the future. You literally as a 19 year old enter a relationship 
thinking about how are you going to take care of a household, a family, a wife, a child, a business, something that you would be doing when you're 35, 40, 45 years old, and you walk into a mentality, you put so much pressure on this relationship that you're not present and you're not present in gathering and collecting experiences and emotions and feelings and you don't even know how to have a fight right. because you're, what are you fighting about? You're not fighting about, you know, oh, you looked at a girl or, you know, just normal, ridiculous things we fight about when we're 19, 20 years old in a relationship. Right. You guys are fighting about dealing with parents and family members and getting married and what is your marriage going to look like? What is your wedding going to look like? Those are the things you guys are fighting about at 19, 20, 21 years old. And there is no need to have that pressure. Right. You don't have any knowledge about life. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I would definitely, you know, I think one of the things is that if I were to look at anybody today, a young man or woman who is in that situation, I would say is that um, understand that, yes, you could be very grown up. Yes, you can be a 19 year old going on to 57. But there is growth to be had. Be open to that growth. Sometimes that growth can come at the cost of your feelings, your emotions, your heart. But on the other side comes this great awakening of how you develop, who you are to become. And at the end of the day, you become a much better spouse and you get, become a much better person in general who is well-rounded. Well, this was a great conversation. It was very enlightening. Um, I always love to hear the other perspective not only are you the male perspective, but you're also the conservative perspective, the um, the not-so-footloose-and-fancy-free perspective. And so I really do appreciate you being on here. And uh, I know that you will be a reoccurring guest because this is also like therapy for us. Definitely. So <laughs> for those who listen, you all about to get some real ghee. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so... Again, thank you, my darling husband, Osama. Please tell everyone where they can find you. What is your IG handle? Yeah, my IG handle is at Suited Gentleman. Uh, it's spelled like it sounds. It's just two words, Suited and Gentleman. Follow me on IG. And um, if you want more nuggets, uh, hit my DMs. And uh, if you're a um, male or female, it's all good. I mean, I'm, if you're a female, I'm going to have to show you to my wife because that's how that goes. I don't really want that on my conscience, but yeah, hit me up anyway. <laughs> Thanks guys so much for listening. I really enjoy this topic. This certainly will not be the last time we talk about it. Uh, so like always, please send me your questions, comments, concerns, your contributions to this conversation. You can either hit me up at Subi Syed or the show at put some gee on it. Good night. <laughs>